You know, when you're about to have a car accident and you press on the brake, you see the other car approaching and in that split second, you know you're, you're screwed. Well, I had that sensation in various times in my life when I felt the rug pulled under my feet. A couple of years ago, I had one of these situations when I had an eye inflammation and I was at the doctor's. She told me I had to take steroids to cure it, or my vision could be affected permanently. This might not seem much, but it was the second time it happened to me in my life, and I knew what it meant. But this time it was aggravated by severe migraines and intensity of work due to changes. It was right during the high of the COVID crisis, the peak of isolation, vaccines, lockdowns, all that. When I heard that I had to take steroids, I knew it was going to be like a car crash for me. And it was, mainly for three severe side effects these medicines caused me. Insomnia, hot flushes, and worsening of my migraines. The conclusion was total chaos for a few weeks. The question I grappled with at that time was how to keep functioning and keep being a creative being amid complete chaos. Welcome to Creative Space Mastery Podcast the show about how to establish a framework to get your creative practice going, bringing consistent creative productivity. I'm Tanya Crivellenti, an author who has been on the storytelling path for 20 years now, in joy and in chaos, and I'm able to be productive every week. I invite artists and all types of creators out there to hear about the practical process, metaphors and examples in order to achieve creative space mastery. I knew that was nothing compared to what many people are going through right now. People with permanent disabilities, real severe diseases, and end-of-life diagnosis. It was hard at the time, but I had perspective knowing it was a temporary chaos for me. On the other hand, life is chaos to a minor or major degree to everyone on a daily basis. Having a crisis on your hand can present you with an intense opportunity to deal with an extreme situation, and then you can extrapolate the lessons to the day-to-day chaos management. That is what happened to me. The only way I found to deal with my car crash, steroids use crisis, was to think of what to do when we go into chaos. The way I dealt with it back then was seeing myself as a company that was going under receivership. This means the company is facing financial distress and is unable to meet its obligations. Part of the proceeding is maximizing the recovery for creditors while resolving the difficulties of the distressed company. Right, so I declared, this company is no longer under normal operation. I'm no longer under normal operation. And from that point on, all pressure was off. People were obliged to understand. They had no other option. I did what people do in a company that's going under. I assigned resources where possible. And whatever I did was better than nothing. I worked the hours I could give, more than the medical certificates I was given, but less than I would if I was fully healthy. I observed myself with attention and only gave what was available. I stopped overspending energy, breaking at the first sign of a migraine rather than pushing through which is what I would have done in the past. I got the most important work done, I got the essentials taken care of, and left everything that wasn't important behind. And at some point I realized that maybe this is how it should work always. Only give what's available, huh? 
focus, good quality, but only what is there, not more. Interesting concept, no? At first I thought, I don't work in heart surgery, but then I thought, even if I did, and especially if I did, you have to be well to operate. And well, doctors put their patients at risk. One mistaken decision can cost millions in companies. The most responsible, mature decision we can make is to be responsible for our own well-being. And it means we don't put that responsibility onto others. And our creativity will flourish sooner or later. Chaos under management is an essential skill for creative survival and efficiency. From the last episodes, we have determined that for us, creative space is something you establish right now with whatever time you can give it, involving all activities relating to your art. It is recurring, contractual, it is an imperfect process, and it is a protected space for inspiration to come through the middle. In episode 1, we discussed setting a recurring time when you could create. In episode 2, you were to declare to yourself, at least, others if possible, what it is that you truly want, to the point that you know, bravely declaring your passion. In episode 3, we talked about doing what you will be doing in the time you have set up and doing it seriously, professionally. In episode 4, we learned to follow the ducks of inspiration, the voice inside that points you to your true muse. The ideas your creative self authentically wants to follow. Now we're going to talk about making a plan for when life is off the rails, when the seas are rough and you're crossing the Bermuda Triangle, the instruments are blackened and you have to find a way through. I made a plan at the time to manage my chaos. My first step is what I talked about. Give what I had to give. In Portuguese, we have a saying that is used for lazy people. We say that they use the law of the minimum effort. We could use that saying here, when in chaos, we could use the law of the minimum effort for everything. Not out of laziness, but because you don't have a lot of energy to give out. So you spend as little as possible and do as little as you can, focusing on the essentials for survival. The second step on my plan was something I developed after many years in different difficulties and learnings. I call it... Riding the lows gracefully. I learned the hard way that resisting the fact that you are sick or unwell will make it harder for you to heal. And maybe make it take double the time for your recovery, aggravating the problem. I used to get very angry when I got sick because I had things to do, I had no time to be in bed. I will never forget the face of the doctor when I broke my arm and he looked at the x-ray and he looked at me and at the x-rays again and he asked me, Have you been dancing? I had for two weeks and in total denial because I didn't want the arm to be broken and had gone to the hospital when it stopped getting any better and the pain did not go away and it was still very purple. That was over 10 years ago, and it took me many more years to learn that when we are unwell, we don't keep dancing. We need to be kind to ourselves, to calmly accept fate, to give our bodies their time and space for recovery, because then it takes much less time for them to get well again. 
When you resist, when you tense up, you spend energy you don't have. When you dance with your broken arm, you sleep less, your healing slows down. It sounds so obvious, but it probably took me 15 years having accidents to learn that lesson. Now I'm able to ride the lows much more gracefully than before. The next few points of the chaos under management plan I created at the time for me were do the best that I could each day, withdraw emotional involvement from work, be professional only, offer support to everyone I could who was having positive behaviors toward me, and keep boundaries in place for toxic people. Enjoy each day what was there to be enjoyed. Keep writing when I could or doing writing-related activities. Fully enjoying my writing days as if I were a full-time writer. Diligently take solutions that could get me out of the chaos, like medicines, doctor appointments, exercising, and sleeping when possible. Show up for support systems like counseling and coaching. Last was networking when I was feeling up for it. With these actions, in about two months, I stepped out of the crisis. My eyes healed and I could stop taking the medicine. I started sleeping again and without being sleep deprived, everything instantly improved. This episode is for you to be prepared when you're hit with chaos. You can be going through it right now. Or think of a time when you were going through a tough time and think of how you could have managed it differently or how you would fit a creative practice inside that time. Creative process within chaos means you cannot expect the same yield as you would in normal periods. Imagine an orange tree in winter when it has no leaves and it bears no fruits and even if it looks dead, it isn't. Your creative process isn't dead even when it's quiet or unyielding or uncertain. It just hibernates for some seasons. You must be kind and generous, loving with your creative self, nurturing so your creativity can flourish when spring returns. This is it. You heard my plan to manage chaos. What would be yours? Write a list of priority tasks. The way to do this is to remember where you're going on holiday at work. At first, you make an impossible list. But as your last day of work before going on leave approaches, you start to cut to the essentials and only do what's possible in the available time. That's what managing chaos feels like. You cut to the essentials with the time that is available to you. Then write a psychological list of attitudes to manage your chaos, like I did. Law of the minimum effort, riding the lows gracefully, doing your best, being professional at work, offering support to positive people, keeping boundaries for toxic people, enjoying each day, keeping creating, getting out of chaos, keeping support systems and networking. Write what feels right for you. I remember one day during that crisis I was telling about before, when I had about three hours of sleep at most. I was working part-time and it was my day off work, what I called my writing day. I was running on empty door. I sat facing the stunning Sydney harbor and I felt bleak. 
I wrote about creating when you had nothing, respecting yourself when you were in chaos. Some of these very words I'm using here. I wrote because I thought it wouldn't be fair to talk or write to anyone about the creative process or creativity and only talk about when you're feeling inspired and when your life is great and all your ducks are aligned and life is perfect because it never, ever is. Interesting to say that very day I went to my neurologist and things started turning around. I started a migraine treatment that changed everything for me in time. Today, a couple of years later, my migraines are totally under control and my chaos has rescinded a lot. I'm happy to report. That's how I'm able to be so creative these days, even working full-time. The blessings of chaos? Growth, change, and the realization of possibilities. If I stay in the comfortable situation of the past, the present creative power, even this podcast wouldn't have happened. The interesting thing about chaos under management is that once the crisis is gone and the status quo is reestablished, you have an opportunity to rethink things, re-examine the activities you are supposed to pick up again, to decide which ones are considered essential. Chaos changes the floor you're walking over, and you really look into the reasons for being alive. It invites reflection, profound examinations of self. It is a good opportunity to use it and redefine such priorities. And while you're going through the crisis, you must prioritize everything that will bring you to full productivity again, whatever the nature of your chaos may be. I needed a solution for my migraines, so I went to a private neurologist. It saved my life. If you are in a psychological chaos, go to a counselor. If you are in a crisis of faith, go to the faithful that suits you. Invest in solutions, prioritize what can get you out. As I said at the start, most of the time, to some degree, we are managing chaos. Sometimes it's major, sometimes it's minor. But it's always important to respect your own limits and your seasons when creativity comes into play. But let's not confuse respecting your time with laziness or resistance thought. And then comes in an intriguing thing, the concept of laziness. Even lazy children have boundless energy to play video games. Those are the ones that can become incredible gamers, new contemporary art creators, and white hackers. You just leave them to pursue what they are not lazy about. Resistance regarding that? We will talk about it specifically in a chapter. If you aren't creating because you fear the impact of your creation, this is resistance. You then should try to push through. Once you get going and break the initial block, flow comes in in abundance. You will know then, ah, it was just resistance. We will discuss it. We will also speak about our time wasters. I call them our rabbit holes. We will talk about how to protect ourselves from them in a future chapter. Lastly, let's talk about getting organized. Keeping a file of ideas, managing energy, not tasks. Sometimes, chaos can come in the form of too many ideas rather than too few. They come in droves in a flood of so much inspiration it drowns you. You must choose and you know that if you choose one, another will have to be neglected. That if you choose the wrong one, you can be putting your energy into something that is not the best project. 
But who is to judge what is the best project? That is what the previous episode is for. The ducks of inspiration is what guide you to which project to do when. You follow what your energy is really available for. Meanwhile, you create an archive of ideas and get organized with it, where you register all other ideas you keep having for the future. All ideas you don't have time for now and you want to work on them. Maybe one day, maybe never, you archive them somewhere. The way you archive them is in a way that's logical for you. I separate mine by language as mine can come in in English or Portuguese. And they can come in in categories such as books, chronicles, blog posts, podcasts, business courses, apps or articles. I separate them into genres or themes in some cases. In some instances, I feel the impulse to write, but I don't know exactly what. The ducks aren't pointing to a specific thing, so I can go to my archive and read through the ideas until the ducks unfurl their necks. Your archive can have whatever categories make sense for you, and how you archive is also what works for you. It can be notes on your phone, voice memos, post-its, little pieces of paper in an old archive file, files on your tablet or computer. As long as you can retrieve the information easily and find your ideas later on, it's what makes sense to your creative mind. There are no rights or wrongs here. I use Scrivener, a writing software which I'm a big fan of, and I use it as an archiving system as well, with folders for the different categories. I have a project called, guess what? Ideas. The better you get at downloading your excess of ideas from your mind, the freer you're gonna get to work on your one idea that you have elected as the one for now. The last concept of the getting organized list is about reserving your best energy to what is most important first. Managing your energy, not your task. You reserve the time when you are in your best mind with more creative energy for creativity and your most important work. Don't go doing silly things during your most energetic and precious time. You're wasting your most creative self, like cleaning or doing admin things. Reserve what takes no brain to do or repetitive tasks for when you're low in energy. Classify all that you have to do by how much energy you need to do them. And then you assign the time when you will do these tasks. If there is something hard you need to do, you must assign this thing to be done at your best time. Whatever your best time is for you, if you are a morning or a night person. During your creative space, you reserve your best time for creativity and your lowest time for the associated tasks such as research and promoting your work, sending emails for when you can't think clearly, for example. Every creative endeavor has associated tasks that are much less exciting, but also much less demanding on the brain. Organizing your ideas for creative is a good example. In this way, you manage to use your energy wisely. You free your mind of your excess of ideas by downloading them into physical form for future reference and free space for use of your current creative work. Lastly, you know how to manage the chaos when a crisis hits you, riding your lows gracefully. Get to work now. Be kind to yourself. 
prioritize what's truly essential. Don't overdo it, but don't be lazy. Remember that with creativity, it's what works for you that counts. Things have to be done your way, your categories for ideas, your best time for creating, your management of chaos, following your ducks of inspiration. And while growing through chaos, prioritizing finding a way out of it, looking for karma, this is a good idea, right? Try not to sink the ship taking good care of our own so creativity can find us again. Thank you for listening to Creative Space Mastery Podcast. You will find all about this discussion at creativespacemastery.com and hope to catch you at my next episode. If you like it, give the show some stars, write a review and share it with someone who could enjoy it. See you next time. Ciao!